0: You may not be able to collect them all, but you can collect a great range of reviews here tonight because you're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 229 for the week of 13th July 2016. This episode is brought to you by Bam Kapow, Davey Boys Toys, and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight on our all-review show, our Toys of the Week are the Hulk Classics Mecha Hulk, the SH Figure Art Sailor Chibi Moon, the Transformers Titans Return Fortress Maximus, and the NECA Ultimate Commando Action Figure. everybody, Scotty here. Uh, it's one of those episodes where we weren't able to get a quorum together to record, but as always, we don't want you to miss out, so a few of our hosts have put together reviews for you to enjoy, which I am sure you will. Um, before we start that, we're going to open this episode with the correct name that file if you listen to episode 228 we had a uh, editor's brain fart there and inserted uh an old name that and thank you to those that pointed that out so we're going to start this episode with the correct name that file that should have been in episode 228 and then after that we're going to hand over to justin for our first of the four reviews for this episode and i'll catch up with you at the end Well, name that is uh, a creation of our good friend John, who is also known as Engineer Nerd for from TVandFilmToys.com. and FilmToys.com. Please check it out. And every week, John has a uh, some sort of guessing game for us to play. And John, over to you for this one.
1: Yeah, I mixed this one up a little bit, and uh, this one came from a Toy Fair top ten hottest action figures list. And it was something like this, let's just say this, at his best, he had what could be kindly referred to as a fake good face for radio, so it seemed somewhat <laughs> redundant that someone actually took the time to melt half his face and make him more of an uggo.
0: Uggo. Uggo. What? No. someone actually read the answer to this on the forum and I can't even remember, so... <laughs>
2: There you go. Ben, mm. did you read the answer? Uh, I did not. Did you have a guess? Uggo. Uh, I have no idea. Not Sluggo Based from on that Nancy.
1: What? Sluggo from Nancy. The comic strip Nancy. Oh. I must have, I must be like really
0: old inside. <laughs> ah! Is that the answer? No, no. The answer, oh. the answer. Oh, sorry, no. I, I know Nancy. Yeah, I remember Nancy. Okay, sorry. Okay.
1: So, uh, Nancy. No, it's the, like, what? No, the answer, and, and I found it ironic because you guys talked about this character in the news. So uh, when I heard it after, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, it, it's actually Abomination. It's a oh, Marvel <coughs> Legends Abomination where he had half of his face melted. Oh, oh. The variant. Yeah.
3: yeah. Hey. Well, there you go. There you go. So
1: that, that was one of the Toy Fair. He was actually number... Um number five in this list, and I will tell you let's see here looking at the front, October two thousand six. Huh. And the uh, number one in that issue was uh, Green Goblin, an unmasked variant.
2: Well Hmm.
0: Good old Toy Fair. There you go.
1: Yeah, so I thought that'd be something a little different.
0: But anyway,
1: we'll we'll play a new sound great right here. Ignoring danger in this specially equipped rescue uniform tries to save trapped miners. In another adventure, it's lost in the desert. Water's low. Pushes on. In one more time. Ignoring danger in this specially equipped rescue uniform tries to save trapped miners. In another adventure, it's lost in the desert. Water's low. Pushes on. So, Ben, if the people out there thought they knew what it was and actually um, Hellbot managed to get get the abomination one almost as soon as the episode came out. Um, well, where, where would they
2: go? Well, obviously Hellbot went to Well, uh, <laughs> <obviously>. com. <afbforum.com. laughs> I can't believe I just did it, Justin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's Adam. It's Adam that can't get it right. Not... And Eddie. <laughs> oh yeah. And Eddie. Well,
1: that's, uh, um, it's just Google. If they, yeah, be careful. Don't don't get the blind people for them. Oh dear. Um, they they would obviously if they get it right, like help out. You get a forum point. And Scott, what would they get for those forum points this week?
0: Oh, this week you get a um, limited edition uh, print of um, Eddie's latest grammatical mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. It's in, in, in a in a kind of festive script. Is that one of those multi-font picture things? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. It's got, you know, Comic Sans and Jokerman and all those other papyrus. classic fonts in it. Is there some it. papyrus on there? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, Good. for sure.
1: And, you know, if you want to, you know, earn enough points for that, you can always come over to tvandfilmtoys.com. Tuesdays, Thursdays, we play a picture version. And, uh, you know, you still guess in the forum, still get points. And, and you can still get that limited edition print. Woohoo.
0: Sweet. <laughs> Thank you very much for that, John. It's always fun and uh, never predictable. <laughs> never predictable. Um, we will take a short break and come back with our Toy of the Week. and Justin. Sorry, that's
1: a bit of
3: in-house humor. Anyway, I'm going to continue on with the reviews for this special podcast that we have happening at the moment, and I am going to talk about Hulk Classics Series 2, Mecha Hulk. Now, in terms of uh, Marvel Legends and Spider-Man Classics, this series that came and went sort of flies under the radar for most collectors. Um, This series came out in 2004 and it featured other figures such as the first time we saw Absorbing Man was in this uh, line of figures. We had Gamma Punch Hulk, there was a Bruce Banner, War Hulk, uh, Smart Hulk, Abomination, the lighter colored cartoon one I think it was, Joe Fixit, and Savage Hulk. So like I said, I'm gonna talk about the Mecha Hulk from this wave. Uh, this was actually series two. It was split up over two series and uh, Mecha Hulk is from series two. So the company was Toy Biz, and the year of release originally was 2004. Now, I got this in around 2006, 2007, just as collectors were saying to look back at this this line of figures is when I purchased it. Now, I got in a job lot with Smart Hulk and Joe Fix It for $60, so... That's when I obtained it, and that's how much it cost. So you could say he cost me $20 back then. Since then, eBay pricing now, you can find him anywhere from $100 plus, and he comes up from time to time, mostly carded, some loose, but carded about 100 to to $150. So this is a statue, uh, sorry, this is a figure. Uh, at, it's an 8-inch action figure, and 8 inches right on the money, and 6 inches across from shoulder to shoulder. So it's a fair lump of plastic in those days when Toy Biz would just go all out. Now the packaging, original packing, packaging was a Green Hulk classics uh, type of patchy, packaging. It was in the clamshell packaging. I got mine loose. Now as for this actual figure, before that he didn't appear in canon anywhere. So Mecha Hulk was designed by Arthur Adams specifically for this series. Now, like I mentioned, I got mine loose, so I don't have any packaging in front of me. Not really collector-friendly once you rip that sucker open. And this figure is so awesome that it shouldn't stay carded. Now the sculpting on this figure is where it wins as a as an action figure. It has all the mechanical bits and pieces you could imagine almost steampunkish before steampunk was a sort of thing. Now, if you can imagine all the doodads and internal mechanics from when Terminator removes his skin in Terminator 2 and you see all the, the wiring and the doodads inside there, that's what the level of sculpting we get on most all of the exposed parts of the figure, including the forearms and the feet. So you can almost see like little pistons and little tubes inside the forearms and exposed areas. On the neck piece, there's tubing coming out from the neck underneath a more sleek sort of barrel design. The skull is almost like an exoskeleton. Um, imagine a massive um, Terminator figure with no skin on for the face, and the face is like a sk- mechanical skull, and it's really, it's really, really well done. The teeth, uh, no expense was spared. Little nostrils for the for the skull as well pretty cool so there's tubing coming out from both elbows and there's almost like a rocket jet exposed piece on the elbows and the back of the figure as well and also around the calf section so it's, it's designed for like to see the internal workings of a robot that's how this is designed now going to the chest and torso piece there's like little rivets as well you can imagine this being sort of a mechanical finished figure Now, it is a bit top-heavy. The legs seem to be a bit shorter to fit in for this body. However, it doesn't really take anything away from the sculpt. The shoulders are massively exaggerated. Now, for the sculpting as well, there are chest pieces that open. And they open because they fire out two missiles. And the missiles are very similar to the ones that came with Archangel from the original uh, X-Men Classic series. There's a button just behind the neck, you push that down and the chest plate and the arrows shoot out. Now, there's also a back plate section that opens and there's also some mechanical wiring and working inside there as well. And this house the Gremlin figure. Now, I don't have the Gremlin figure with this and I don't really want to buy it at the moment. I just had another look on eBay and the prices are about $60 and this is a one-inch figure we're talking about. So maybe I'll customize something further down the point, down the line. I'm going to move on to articulation. For a figure this size, he features 25 points of articulation. We're talking about Toy Biz articulation as well. So, you know, it's someone really wanted to bring this figure to life and they've done it justice. All the normal articulation points are there, as you can expect. For a figure this size and this bulky, the articulation is very, very good. Okay, so playability... Move on to playability, of course, it's you know, it's a big robot hulk. Who wouldn't want to play with it? It's robust enough to be uh, thrown around if that's what you do with your action figures and not to cause any sort of damage to it. It's it's really an awesome figure. Um now moving on to the paint. There's two different shadings of grey. It appears to be on the arms and legs are a different green to the actual torso. Now the paint is applied haphazardly. I would say on purpose to create a weathered effect and this goes on to the grey chrome steel effect as well to other exposed pieces now i don't really have anything else to say except that this is one of my favorite figures that i own it's up there for me with face off uh, hulk um, and also up there with the hobgoblin we got in the Spider-Man classics, So those top three figures, including this one, are my top Marvel legends that were ever produced. So in saying that, I am going to give this sucker 10 out of 10. Um, and that's it for my review. Thanks for listening, and hopefully back next week with a, with a full program. Thank you.
2: Dragon Ball saga continues. Cosmic evil is on the rise. You and your friends are Earth's only hope. Will Goku and Trunks Super Saiyan power be enough this time? Gohan's in danger until Team Dragon Ball Z joins the fight. But wait, it's Evil freeze. The Earth is still in trouble. Your friends are in for the fight of their life, but you won't let them down. The fate of the world depends on it. Each soul separately.
4: Well, welcome back, and this is Adam. I'm talking to you tonight about the wonderful SH Figure Arts Sailor Chibi Moon. This figure is uh, obviously another Bandai Tomashi Nation's figure in the SH Figure Arts line, particularly for Sailor Moon. It was released in 2015, and I got mine in 2015 and didn't open it until 2016. For those of you that are not uh, particularly literate with Sailor Moon, Sailor Chibi is essentially the future daughter of uh, Sailor Moon and tuxedo Mask. This is uh, clearly old spoilers. Um, she comes, uh, comes into being through some truly bizarre circumstances involving time-stopping and uh, death and crazy um, silver crystal garbage, so don't worry too much about exactly how that happens. Um, so Sailor Chibi is um, essentially, you know, she's what I think, about seven or eight or something. So she's about half the height of Sailor Moon. Um, Her entire um, outfit is pink-themed, so her skirt, boots, gloves are pink. Her hair is pink. I assume that's natural. Who can tell? And go figure how you come out with naturally pink hair, but sure, why not? Um, She has massive, massive... um, I don't know what you call those. Uh, they're, They're big kind of barrettes um, in her hair, and um, you know, she, she rocks her look as she does. Now, it's a very interesting figure um, in terms of the size and shape of this. It clearly looks like a standard Sailor Moon type um, outfit, however, being half the size, I kind of think they may have just scaled down the whole buck. Uh, complain about that, not really, um, I just think it's interesting, I don't think it's got a lot of um, reuse, and uh, considering that for $38 you got Super Sailor Moon and for $35 US you got um, Sailor Chibi Moon I think that probably backs it up that it's not a lot of reuse so, um, talking about the figure itself, you know, there's uh, some solid paint jobs there, I don't have any slop or anything like that on mine um The colours are all fairly basic, the hair has a little bit of um, variation in colour, Uh, you know, the the standard articulation points are there in terms of ankles, knees, hips, wrists, elbows, shoulders, Um, there's also the the upper torso rotation, there's the head being articulated. Uh, Both of her, um, they're not really pigtails, I'm not sure what to call that, but but, you know, her big pom-pommy hair bits out the side, they're both um, articulated. She does a a very good job. Uh, She can do the Elaine Bennis stance, which is obviously important for those that care about Elaine Bennis dancing. Um, And she comes with a whole ton of extras. So she has the obligatory um, swap-out portraits. She has the portrait that's affixed when you get her, which is kind of the, the placid face. She has a happy, smiling face. She has angry, open mouth, action face and stern, angry face, scowl face. She has her own cutie moonrod. I believe this is somehow related to Sailor Moon's cutie moonrod, but it's her own individual version. There's um, a separate set of bangs that you can put on her hair, so she's got the the little foofy clips in her bangs, Um, this is on top of having barrettes for her ponytails. Go figure, she clearly likes hair accessories. Um, She has a whole range of swap-out hands, so there's, you know, the the default kind of almost Kung-Fu grip hands, there's the numerous um, different Sailor Chibi slash Sailor Moon type casting hands, magic spell slash move casting hands, she's got um, hands for holding the Cutie Moon Rod, she's got punchy fists, and she's got um, open palm hands, so you've got a selection of them there. They don't all come on a, uh, a totem pole, which, you know, having had totem pole for some of the Sailor Moon hands, I find it disturbing that it's not consistently used. I also think that it's the best possible way to keep track of all your, your alternate hands, which um, for figure arts you invariably need. Uh, she also comes with her personalised Sailor Moon figure stand, uh, which is not unexpected. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's a solid range of, uh, accessories there, um, and it's a a solid little figure, but it's not particularly exciting, right? It's, it's basically bog standard, yes, I have a Sailor Chibi now, and I can stand it in the, the Sailor Moon collection, and that's all fine. I guess, um, the other thing that, that's interesting with this figure is, and it fits the portrayal in manga and anime, which is that she seems to have a full-size Sailor Moon um, head. So she does look a little bit super deformo in terms of um, the head versus body size. Um, I guess it would also mean that if you were interested in trying to make an adult-sized Sailor Chibi, you could just pull her head off, plop it on one of the other Sailor Scouts or or buy another cheap Sailor Scout, do a repaint, Um, and there you go. So that's interesting too. Um, you know, the box is is your standard figure arts box with a window, so it's got the the character on the front, it's got the posing suggestions on the back, it's got the, the tray, um, being the way that the Sailor Moon trays are normally done, it's got a separate tray that has faces and hands in it, which is obviously sealed with its own lid, as well as the lid on top of both trays. So, you know, it's not really exciting there either. Um... In terms of poseability, it's pretty good. Um, it's probably the best of the Sailor Scouts in terms of the Sailor Moon figures, in that because she's so short, it's actually a little bit easier to balance her on the high heels um, and the narrow ankles that she's got. That's been a consistent problem throughout most of the Sailor Moon ones. Um, it's a little bit easier with Sailor Chibi. You know, she can still pull off all the, the poses that you'd hope that she can pull off, so you can have her and Sailor Moon both doing uh, mirror poses of each other. I guess um, there's a little bit less range simply because she's got shorter arms and legs in terms of um, if you really want to try and, and move her around and, and do things like that. But, you know, overall, it's a fine figure. In terms of an overall score, you know, $35. Um, yes, it's a new bark Yes, it's it's um, a figure that if you want to have a full set of Sailor Moon, Sailor Scouts, you've got to have. Uh is it really thirty-five dollars worth compared to thirty-four or sorry, thirty-eight dollars, whatever it was, compared to the the Sailor Moon? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not an inspired figure. Um, so out of ten, I would probably give this about seven and a half. Um, so so there you go. That's uh, Sailor Chibi Moon. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been a useful review for people. And uh we'll see you next time.
2: Tired of losing battle after battle in the sky, the Autobots create the ultimate robot jet, jet fire. The Transformers the But the evil Decepticons have a secret new weapon. Shockwave. The
0: Transformers,
5: Robots in Disguise. Hey guys, it's Eddie here with my segment for Toy of the Week for this episode, uh, and I have a big one for you, so I am looking at the Transformers Titans Return of Fortress Maximus. And this guy lives up to his name of Maximus. For those of you who may not know the G1 version, uh, he is one of the biggest Transformers made. Uh, there's a bit of a debate going on whether this actual figure is the biggest Transformer or if it's the Metropet. Metroplex that came out a couple of years ago. Metroplex is a little bit of height uh, thanks to his antennas, though, but doesn't take anything away from him. He is huge. He's just a bit shy uh, of a meter. Uh, So this guy was released by Hasbro this year. 2016, and it's part of their Titans Return line, which uh, for those of you who remember G1 Transformers, uh, it's kind of an update of the Headmaster's gimmick. So you can remove the heads off the transformers, and the heads actually transform into little robots. And in this version, you can swap those heads around onto different transformer bodies, and they also have. ...little bits where they can sit in the cockpit or sit in the turret of a gun. Now, he came in a massive box. It had some wonderful painted artwork of Fortress Maximus uh, on the cover there. It really does look spectacular. One of the things I do really like about uh, the modern-day Transformers... ...is they're still getting that original artwork on the box... ...which does make it look stunning... Uh, being a box, you might assume it's going to be collector-friendly. It's not overly, once you open it up, it uh, does kind of look like a guy packed away in a coffin, and one of his arms is removed to fit him in the box. Uh, it is a huge box. It's just kind of shy of a meter, uh, like himself, but... I did take an arm off just to create a bit more space. And now that l- arm is locked in, uh, it's in there fairly tight. I don't want to sort of mess around with trying to get it out of that. So that's uh, probably a guy you're not going to be putting back in the box once you have him out and set up. Uh, he's a... But uh, out of the box, he is fantastic. As mentioned, he's about shy of a metre tall and probably about 30 centimetres uh, wide. He hasn't got much depth to him. That's where he's a bit smaller than things like your Black Series TIE Fighter or your Castle Greyskull. But if you have either of those items, you get an idea of how tall uh, or wide he is. He does come with plenty of articulation, a lot of which is ratchet joints, which I'll try and pick up for you. If you can hear that coming through, so that's his elbow joints there, or you have his waist joints, and that's his knee joints coming through, so uh, definite need of ratchet joints in order to hold on and lock on uh, with this guy, otherwise he would be falling over quite constantly. He does have a di- couple of different trans. Uh, formations to him, so articulation wise he does have a lot of moving bits and bob on him, I'm even actually finding a few little trap doors and things, so there's a section uh, on his left shoulder where a turret uh, can fold out and come down and there's even a side section in his right arm that opens up and you could stall a small vehicle or figure uh, in there. So he's got lots of moving pieces. I'm not going to count them all. I uh, know no, we normally do a bit of a articulation count but uh, I might leave it on this guy since he does have so much but... You've got his basic robot mode, he also transforms into a moving battle character, kind of like a tank version of the Halle Carrier, and you also can turn him into his city mode, which is sort of like a big play set uh, fortress, hence the name Fortress Maximus. Uh, I do quite like this, because with the Titans Return gimmick, you're getting a lot of tiny robots that are basically an inch high, uh, that are articulated that form the heads and he's got lots of little peg joints on him where you can stand these littler uh, Cybertronians uh, to run around and he basically becomes a massive playset for these little inch figures and the other uh, still larger Transformers but <laughs> smaller scale than this guy are uh, the leader class also form city attachments that you can connect onto Fortress Maximus here and build your own Cybertronian city. And having these little uh, Cybertronian guys running around that does look pretty neat and cool. Paint-wise, he's fairly basic. He does not have uh, almost any paint on him. He's got a couple of little silver splotches or black markings uh, for gears or uh, tire parts, but for the most part, his parts are unpainted. They're just the colour plastic that it was moulded into. He is a massive sticker job, though, so he does come with over 50 stick stickers to apply. And being a guy who is so big, you think it might be some large stickers, and no, uh, some of these stickers are absolutely tiny. I had to use a Xacto knife, the tiny edge of the blade, to hold on to some of these just to attach them on and put them in the right spot. I was quite proud of the work I did. I'm normally quite terrible at this, but this one, uh, I got most of them right. There are a couple of ones that are slightly off, and they're going to bug me for the rest of the time that I own this figure. But uh, as part of the joys of applying stickers uh, to a figure... But for his main gimmick, which is his headmaster section, his head does come off. Uh, it, as you attach it in, he will speak to you, and there is a button on his chest when the head is in that will talk. So they're the noises that he makes when he's locked in. But if you uh, take him out, you can open his head up and transform him. Now the head transforms into what would be in Transformer scale a deluxe figure. And this character is known as Cerebrose. and he makes that classic transforming sound as you click the last few pieces into place. Now the really cool thing is now I have him out in my hand and transformed uh, the head into its robot mode. If you click the same sounds button that you are clicking when his head was down in Fortress Maximus mode, it's now changed the audio for it. So depending on what state you have him transformed into, uh, it will change the audio chip. I haven't quite worked out how uh, they managed to do it, but it works quite well. Uh, I don't have time to transform him into his city mode, but when he's in his city mode and you push it again, you also get some different gun firing and that uh, going on, which is really cool. Now, Cerebros is limited to the Hasbro edition of Fortress Maximus. There is a Japanese Takara version coming out and he comes with a different head sculpt which technically makes it a different character called Fortress from the Japanese cartoon and he has an open mouth plate whereas Cerebrus here has a closed mouth plate similar to that worn by Optimus Prime but his head is also detachable and that transforms into one of these little tiny Cybertronian guys I was talking about earlier called Emissary. Now, in the original run, this was Spike Witwicky, uh, but they've changed it into Emissary here. Who, if you know your Transformers lore, uh, was a big key part in getting them to transform into organic uh, matter, which led to the Beast Wars. Uh, so, there's a bit of a bridge gap for my favourite Transformers series. Just come back in there. Sorry, just put the head back in, and couldn't help but make the noise uh he is a fantastic figure. uh I really do like him, and I am uh still finding little bits and bobs uh through in here, so as I mentioned, there's a whole turret section that comes out and lots of different areas and gaps. so as a place hit, he's fantastic. The actual bulk of the body is a heavy remould of the Metroplex figure that came out a couple of years ago Uh, I don't have that Metroplex but I've seen comparisons online standing them next to each other you're really going to struggle to tell uh, which parts were which and that they were even the same figure to begin with Uh, but there is the base of the mold there when you look closely having a look at this mold though I would be shocked if in the next year Uh, They didn't remold this uh, so you could have a villain for him and they do Scorponok out of this mold. It does seem very similar, particularly in the leg section, uh, definitely getting a Scorponok vibe. Now, I haven't mentioned any weapons. One I have technically doesn't come with any weapons. Uh, He does have cannons in his leg that come out for his... Uh, vehicle mode now they're just on in a friction joint you can take them off and then there's actually a handle part that will slide out from underneath and you can put that in his hand use it as a cannon doesn't stay super strong in there though it's a bit on the wobbly side you can also attach that peg into other points on his body so you could have the cannons coming out there through his shoulder Uh but for the most part he basically is weaponless but That's kind of Fortress Maximus. Uh, He's a big towering guy. He could smash through things. Uh, There is a San Diego version of him coming out that will come with the Master Sword. So it's this big red sword running through there that you can get. The standard Hasbro version does not uh, come with that though. Uh, really great toy. Cost-wise, he's going to set you back. Uh, here in Australia, he runs a big gambit between 250 and $360. Uh, but if you look around, you can get him for a fairly reasonable price for this amount of uh, plastic. Uh, biggest cost to you is going to be the time in applying the stickers. Uh, I definitely think if you are a Transformers fan, if you are liking the modern Transformers stuff, that they are doing, Uh, he is a great pickup. He's going to be great, particularly if you are picking up the Titans return and going to have a tonne, of those little Cybertronian one inch headmasters there, running around. It's a great playset to put him in with. Uh, He also is just awe inspiring, standing there in the back of your Transformer collection uh, standing, you know five times taller than most of the figures you got in there. Uh, If you're not a Transformer guy, it could be interesting to pick up if you find him on special. Uh, He's a big one to play around with. Uh, You do really need to think about space though, if you're going to be displaying him he is going to take up a lot of room uh, in your collection but a uh, fantastic piece here Uh, as i said this is going to be a short one i'm not going to go into it uh, in too much details if you jump on the facebook page you'll be able to see a lot of photos i put up of it it's hard to get a real impression of how tall, uh, this guy is without some comparison shots. And I'll be able to show off the vehicle mode and his, uh, fortress mode a bit more there. But, uh, thank you for listening to me banter on here. Uh, and I'll pass you off to the next section. See you guys.
1: X-Men Origins Wolverine, it's all about the claws. Now the unstoppable power of Wolverine could be in your hands with clawsome Wolverine action figures. The bad guys are tough, but the claw popping superhero Wolverine
2: is the toughest there is. X-Men Origins Wolverine action figures and vehicles. Greetings, valued listeners, it's Ben, aka Fish Milkshake here, coming at you with another Action Figure Blues Toy of the Week review. For this episode, I'm taking a look at the Ultimate Commando Action Figure from our good friends at NECA. This was a recent acquisition for me, however, he first came out in the fourth quarter of 2015. He'll set you back about US $23, he is still around, however, NECA have confirmed that this figure has been discontinued, so if you are thinking about it, I wouldn't stall too long. Now, of course, the commando we are talking about is the Arnold Schwarzenegger 1985 infamous action film of the same name. This is a new entry in the 7-inch action figure line from Necker, so he taps out at just under 18 centimeters tall. Now, in terms of packaging, I've been pretty harsh on NECA in the past for their welded clamshell. I think it's outdated and desperately needs to be retired. And one of the really awesome things about these deluxe or ultimate figures from NECA is they feature this fantastic fifth panel window box. Really, really impressive. Looks really, really nice. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is the future. Now, fifth panel window box, if you are not familiar, features what we would probably just term as the window box packaging that we've seen with Hasbro's Star Wars Black, uh, the Marvel Legends, and similar sorts of figures, so it's a nice box with a plastic tray inside holding the figure in place, but uh, with the fifth panel you get this great cover flap of cardboard that closes over covers up the figure and the the window panel and gives the opportunity to supply some really really nice graphics. Now in this particular case They've really done a great nod to the original Commando movie poster, so what we get is that great shot of Arnie holding onto the hilt of his uh, trusty knife, all uh, oiled up and sweaty and looking muscular and fantastic, so really, really uh, great to look at, even features the original Schwarzenegger Commando font. Uh, But when we open up that uh, fifth panel flap, we get a great shot of the figure, really nicely posed holding the M60, and then of course we can actually see the window panel, featuring the figure within and all the great accessories. Some really nice fun stuff on the back that talks about the movie, gives you a bit of a uh, uh, bio on Colonel John Amatrix who Arnie plays in the film. Uh, All up just a really really nice way of presenting the figure and as far as I'm concerned this is the way all action figures should be done. Very very nice indeed. Uh, It is actually collector-friendly, he comes out of that tray pretty easily and uh, I had no troubles getting the action figure accessories out. Now, in terms of sculpt, you'd have to be forgiven for thinking you've actually seen this figure before, uh, and uh, you wouldn't be the only one. That is because this figure is uh, heavily, heavily based on the Predator uh, Dutch action figure. There's a lot of reuse going on here. From the waist down, the figure is uh, effectively a complete reuse. Uh, We even use the same torso, etc. What is new for this figure is an entirely new head sculpt and the combat vest that he's actually wearing over that torso is completely new as well. Uh, There's a pistol holster that is uh, removable and that just slides up his leg and is held in place by straps so um, really you know when you stand this guy next to um, Major Dutch Schaefer uh, they're almost identical you need to be forgiven for thinking that this was just another entry in uh, the Predator line. Now in terms of the head sculpt really quite interesting Commando was only about two years before Predator for Arnie, so really not a a huge gap there in terms of age But they've clearly tried to go for a younger looking Arnold in this Uh, They've captured that sort of military haircut really, really well And when you actually look at this, you can tell straight away that it's Arnold It does look like a a younger Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, And there's just no doubt about it, it does look like Arnold However, when I actually held him up against my Dutch Schaefer Predator figure I was just struck by the the real difference in the facial features. I think the Dutch Schaefer figure is a much nicer rendition of uh, of Arnold's uh, portrait. Um, I mean, they do stand well on their own, but I have to say, I just think the Predator figure just captures that Arnold jaw that little bit better. So, um, still a really nice head sculpt. Uh, does do a pretty good job of differentiating it from. The predator figure, but otherwise, yeah, not my favorite so far. However, the major addition for this figure is a very, very busy combat vest that he's wearing over his torso. Um, great nod to the film, they've captured all the little nuances, including the, the uh, hood that he's, um, he's not wearing, but is sort of, you know, folded back behind his neck. And this vest has, uh, it has it all going on, there is heaps of stuff going on. He has four hand grenades that are sculpted onto the vest. I think they're a little undersized. They do look a, a little bit odd because they are so small. Uh, He's got numerous 12-gauge shotgun cartridges on uh, his right sort of abdominal area. There's a whole bunch of magazine pouches that uh, don't actually open that are going on. And he has, uh, right down the centre where the zip is, he has a sheath for his knife. Uh, That is actually a separate piece, the knife, and it actually slides into the sheath quite uh, nicely. On the back, we've even got more stuff going on with a couple of extra knives that are in... Uh, Sheets on his back, but they are permanently uh, affixed and you can't remove them So really really nice sculpt, a lot of detail You can really see all the little seams and zips and all that kind of stuff and the buttons uh, On the pouches and whatnot Really really quite busy looking and because there's uh, a bit of color going on that's quite different from the uh, the Predator figure So in terms of, of sculpt really all I can com- uh, comment on is the head sculpt and the vest both of which are actually pretty good uh, you know, and I think, you know, NECA do a really good job of capturing the spirit of, uh, of these sort of, um, Hollywood licences. Now, in terms of paint, um, yeah, this is an interesting one. I'm, I'm in two minds about casting action figures in flesh-coloured plastic, and that's what we've got going on here. We've got, uh, the torso cast in a flesh-coloured plastic, which I think is really good because you, if you are actually someone who poses your action figures, you're not going to have to worry about getting paint rub in the joints and things like that. I talked a little bit about that in the Mythic Legions review last week. Uh, This guy, you can move around those really tight elbow joints and wrist joints without any fear whatsoever of uh, paint rub. However, the trade-off for that is you've got this almost unnatural feel about the colour. Um, it's it's very glossy, it's very shiny, it's very plasticky looking. Uh, there hasn't been any sort of real attempt at a wash to give it, a, a I guess, a, a more toned down feel. Um, what they have tried to do is mimic the uh, grease paint markings that Arnie has in the film, particularly on his face and arms. Uh, and they've done that with kind of a a dark brown black wash, which, um, yeah, look, it, the way it's applied, it's not particularly well done. It actually looks like it's been slapped on with a paintbrush, which is a bit disappointing. Uh, a lot of the other paint is fairly straightforward. There's almost nothing on his waist down, so his pants are cast in green. There's no highlights whatsoever, so that can look a, a little bit odd because there should be a little bit of dirt or something going on. Same can be said for the boots. We've just got sort of the black plastic. There's a bit of a, a grey dry brush over the top just to sort of give them some definition, but not a whole lot. Where the paint really stands out on this figure is in all the details on his vest. The shotgun cartridges have the red and gold uh, painted on the ammo pouches have a camouflage pattern painted on and there's a few highlights on things like the knife with the hilt having the uh, the silver and and green etc the hair is pretty straightforward we've got a couple of different shades of brown giving it some definition and uh, the eyes are pretty well applied actually i don't have any kind of googly eyes going on here so overall you know the paint is actually not too bad i think really the only disappointment in just the general appearance of the figure is that shiny flesh-coloured plastic and the really bad sort of wash they've given it to try and simulate those grease paint. Moving on to articulation, Necker have certainly come a long way since the days of those horrible horrible cut joints in the hips they had with those early days of the Predator figures, etc. And while we aren't seeing Marvel Legends style articulation with these figures we're certainly getting a pretty decent amount. I think I counted about 25 points of articulation and all the usual suspects are there. We've got uh, pin and disc in the shoulders, in the elbows, in the wrists, etc. Pretty good range of movement for the head. Uh, What is unusual is there is a, a waist articulation point, I'm not sure whether it's a ball joint, but with the vest uh, being as busy as it is, it's really hindering that articulation. And I think with some effort, the vest could probably come off if you wanted to do that. Um, That would require cutting a couple of small straps that go underneath uh, and around his thighs. Uh, And you could get to that articulation, but it kind of defeats the purpose, I think. So, nice that the articulation is there in the the waist, but you're not going to be using it for much at all. Rest of the articulation is probably what you'd expect for Neko. We've got single-jointed elbows, single-jointed knees. Fantastically, we get ankle rockers. As I've said before, these should be mandatory on every action figure. Uh, That means that stability is not an issue with this figure at all. He stands perfectly well, uh, and he's balanced quite nicely. Disappointing for me in terms of the articulation is this elbow joint so in terms of swiveling the arms of the action figure out uh, horizontally instead of having a cut at the bicep as you'd normally expect with a Marvel Legends type figure, that uh, horrible joint in the elbow that switches left and right. So, it means that if you're rotating the forearm out to the left or to the right, the bicep stays where it is. So, if you actually take that arm out too far, it begins to actually look quite awkward for the figure. So, a little bit disappointing there, but, Also, I guess, NECA are trying to maintain some aesthetics for their figures, and uh, most of the articulation is is quite well hidden. It blends into the figure quite nicely. So, yeah, kind of a bit on the fence in terms of articulation, but uh, anyway, moving on to one of my favourite parts, and that has to be the accessories. This guy comes kitted out. Now, this is an Ultimate figure, uh, and we are known for getting lots of extra goodies with the uh, Ultimate figures from NECA, and old John Matrix comes uh, kitted out completely. He has the the trusty M60, the short-barreled modified M60 he uses in the film. He has the M78 assault rifle with the, the curved magazine, etc. But uh, what was really cool is he comes with the M202 missile launcher, that four round square boxed Uh, missile launcher we see in the film. I'll talk a bit more about that in a sec. Uh, But we also get the Desert Eagle pistol and a combat knife. So pretty good stuff. The Desert Eagle and the knife are actually functional. The Desert Eagle slots into the holster on his thigh quite nicely. I was quite impressed at how snug it is. Fits into his hand uh, quite nicely too. However, the knife is where there's a bit of disappointment. It looks good, and uh, it slips into the sheath on his chest, on that combat vest, uh, quite easily. So, uh, as I said, it's functional. However, the right hand on this figure is set in a pistol grip with a trigger finger type of sculpt, and therefore he can't hold the knife at all. The left hand is sculpted to basically support the weight of the the weapons that he uses. So really none of the hands are actually useful in holding that knife. So it's nice that it slips in and out of the sheath, but you're really not gonna do anything when it's out of the sheath. So a little disappointing. Now coming back to the M202 missile launcher, this is where the fun is really, really uh, well worth getting this guy out of the box because not only does he come with two separate missiles that you can actually attach to the front of the missile launcher to look like they're coming out of the tubes but you do get an extra attachment that goes onto the back of the missile which then plugs into the front of the missile launcher that actually gives the impression that it's being fired so it's that simulated kind of flame uh, emission effect that looks like it's blasting out so that's actually really good fun looks really good and the handle on the missile launcher is um, a little bit iffy it takes a bit of work to really get it looking quite good but um, look I suspect if you're picking up this figure you know who Colonel John Matrix is and you've probably already got it in your head exactly how you want to pose him with which weapon but the good thing about this many accessories is you've just got so many choices so a lot of fun Uh, a good harken back to the 80s harken if that's a word Um, I really enjoyed looking at this figure. A few things that are a little disappointing, but certainly the play factor is really good. I'm really enjoying these NECA Ultimate figures, uh, and I'm looking forward to the next few that they do. So, with that, I think I'm going to round this out by giving this guy 8 out of 10 dollies. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time.
3: For battle. And giant electronic talking chip. Major Chip Hazard reporting the ultimate in head to
2: head combat. Okay. Commandos attack. Chips are to the team but archer cuts him
1: down to thigh. Do big battle. New giant electronic talking archer and chip. Each separately separately. Well,
0: thanks very much to Justin, Adam, Eddie, and Ben for those great reviews. We will be back next week with the full show. If you would like to give us any feedback on this, please email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com. You can um, post on our Facebook page. You can tweet at us at AFBlues. On Instagram, we are Action Figure Blues, and you might have noticed that we have picked up and started really using that account again. And that is thanks to Eddie, Justin, and then also one of our listeners, Luke, who volunteered to um, do some administration of the account for us. So if you see post sign Luke, that's who it is, and we really appreciate um, him getting involved. And with that, that, I'm going to say goodbye, good luck, and we'll see you next week. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, the Pop Culture Superstore, Bam Kapow, and Davey Boy's Toys. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at Action Figure Blues, and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Action Figure Blues. Thanks for listening.